Amen. I'm going to use this pulpit microphone because it's got extra oomph to it. If you've got a Bible, I want you to join me in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1. You shall be holy, for I am holy. You know, following the Lord Jesus Christ is not about just turning over a new leaf like a New Year's resolution. It's about coming from death to life. Following Christ is not about bad people becoming better people, but dead people made alive. And when that happens, you will increasingly become more and more like the one who brought you from death to life. In other words, you will become increasingly holy. Far too often we talk about happiness. Do you want to be happy? Do you want to be happy? Be holy. You'll never be happy without being holy. Now, I'm going to pray and then we'll jump into the study this morning. Father, I want to begin by praising you that the God of all creation is happier than any being there is. And far too often we don't think of you that way. You are full of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Far too often, we're blinded and think that if we're going to be happy and life's not going to be boring, well, unholiness is the way to get that. I pray that you'd use your word uh, this morning to, to open our eyes to glorious truth. Father, I thank you for my church family. What a joy to be a part of this local church. So I pray for those among us who are just exhausted, discouraged, frustrated, that life's really hard, um, been through some heartaches, and the things that we sing today, I, they matter because it's true of our lives. Lord, you are going to lead us home. The battle does belong to you, but it can be exhausting for us. So give us rest for our souls. Lord, I thank you for so many people who've served the church this week and have served you by loving the church. Lord, I thank you for everybody that prayed and prepared and stood up and taught Sunday school this morning. What a privilege to teach your word. For those who've taken care of the grounds and those who are taking care of children and those who have just loved the church and put others first, Lord, I thank you. Now I'm asking for help. Oh, God, help us that we wouldn't read the Bible and be familiar with the things of God, but really have a heart like a Pharisee and not a heart like Jesus. Use this morning's study to, to help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are going to talk about holiness. I'm going to ask three questions from the passage. What is holiness? What is it? A second question is going to be, how do I become holy? And then the third question is going to be, why should I want to be holy? Can, can we just start out by saying that in the culture that we live in, the word holy doesn't have a lot of uh, currency. If you ever hear the word holy, it's, it's usually uh, cynical or critical. In fact, most of the time when we hear the word holy, it's, it's usually in this way. Oh, you're somebody who is holier than thou, right? Have you ever heard that? 
this, this sort of uh, criticism that uh, people of faith just want to force their beliefs on somebody else or your morality on somebody else. Well, what we want to do is ask, what is holiness according to the scripture? Not how it might be separated from the Bible and redefined, but what is what is Peter mean when he says, you should be holy for I am holy. Now in verse 13 where we began this morning, I want you to just see that the word therefore is connecting us to where we've started. We are going to talk about behavior, but when Peter writes the letter, he doesn't start with you should behave this way. He starts with you should hope this way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So we're going to talk about behavior, how we should live, what we should do, but let's not disconnect it from what we should hope in. Holiness and hopefulness, they go together. In fact, in your life right now, you're conforming around what you hope in. What do you really trust in? You're conforming. That's why it says don't be conformed to your passions of your previous ignorance, who you were before you were born again. But now you can be conformed to the image of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, when we start off with asking the question, what is holiness? I think um, in the world we live in, it's kind of understood if you tried to be holy, you would live a boring life. Don't you feel like that's what people assume? A lesser life. Uh, that all the fun stuff is really not so holy. But Peter, in this passage, is not writing to people, calling them to a lesser life, a lesser experience, or a more restricted form of, of life. Some people think if you're going to live holy, what that means in essence is there's just certain things you don't do and certain things you don't watch and certain things you don't say. And when the angels are around the throne of God, and this is what they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Are they saying boring, boring, boring is the Lord God Almighty? And of course the answer is He's powerful. He's compassionate. And all of his character traits are under the umbrella of the one word that most describes him. He is holy. So what does that mean? The basic definition of holiness is this. It means to be set apart. That's what holiness means. It means you're completely other. You don't fit into this category. You're other. So when we think of being holy, we first think of being moral. There's certain things that you don't do. The Ten Commandments, do you know them? What's commandment number one? You shall have no other gods before him. Number two, no images. You don't want to categorize God that he looks like this. He's beyond anything that your little mind or my little mind could come up with. Uh, number three, you don't take his name in vain. By the way, what that means is you don't, uh, now I'm not advocating that you do say curse words, but what don't take the name of the Lord in vain means, you know what that means? Don't say that you belong to him when you don't belong to him. Don't say he's redeemer when you've not been redeemed. Don't say he's the one who frees us when you've not been free. Don't take his name in vain. Those who call upon the name of the Lord will be, who knows it, saved. So don't say you belong to him when you've not been brought from death to life. Remember the Sabbath, to keep it, uh-oh, here it is, to keep it what? 
to keep it holy. So therefore, what does that mean? To keep it set apart. You need a set apart day. Did you know that? You need a day that's not like all the other days. A day that's set apart, meaning a day that you focus on God in his holiness. Your soul needs that. Number six, don't murder. Seven, don't commit adultery. Eight, don't steal. Nine, don't bear false witness. Ten, don't covet, right? Now, those are, those are behavior things, but they're connected to the heart of God. Don't lie. Why? Because God is not a liar. He's faithful. God is sufficient, therefore you don't steal. God is enough, therefore why would we ever have a God other than him? So you might remember that the original audience, when Peter wrote the epistle, was primarily Jewish. And so when it says over here in verse number 16, since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Pop quiz question, where was that written? Do you know where that was written? That was written in the Old Testament book of Leviticus and used more than once specifically in chapter 11. Now we're not going to do this, but you might do this later on this afternoon. You go and read Leviticus 11 and it's got a lot of information about uh, things that are used in the worship of God that you don't use at other times. Things like tables and utensils and when you make a sacrifice, for example, you don't make a sacrifice unto the Lord and then use that same utensil to go eat dinner later on. It's just set apart. Now, when God says for you to be holy as he is holy, he's saying that you are set apart. You don't live like everybody else lives. Not in a legalistic, boring way, but you're no longer conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you, called you how? Called you from death to life. Not from bad to good, but from not alive spiritually to alive, as he is holy, be holy in all your conduct. Hold your spot there in 1 Peter, and I just want to point out something that I found really helpful in my life, and it's in Galatians chapter 5. So you're in 1 Peter, flip back a few New Testament books, and you'll get to Galatians chapter 5. I want to make a connection because um, God has called you to belong to him, and one of the most fundamental desires that you have in your soul is to belong. You're not created as somebody who is independent of everybody and everything else. A healthy thing to do is to belong, for example, to a local church, right? But, but I want you to notice uh, here in Galatians chapter 5, I love this passage and so much I'd love to say about it, but let's just read it. And I want to make one major point. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. This is the Apostle Paul now writing. He says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So real quick to understand this passage, if you're born again, you actually have two natures. The old nature, we heard Peter refer to it, your former ignorance, that's the person that you were born. The way you can explain this and know this is you were born sinful. Do you believe that? You were born not heading in the right direction because of Adam's sin and fall. You got a sin nature the day that you were born. How do you know this? You know this because have you ever taught a child to be selfish? You don't have to teach a child to be selfish, do you? I always say if anybody doesn't believe in the doctrine of total depravity, keep the nursery. You'll see it quickly. My toy. Did you ever have to teach a child to hit? To be angry? Did anybody ever teach you to lust? Anybody ever teach you to be selfish? No. Why? You're born fully equipped for all those things. No, you actually have to teach a child to 
not be selfish and to share. But then when you're born again, the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you, and now you have a new nature, and you're growing in godliness and holiness. But for your whole life on earth, you've got these two natures against each other. That's what he's going to say. You've got the Spirit. Now, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things. Notice what he says, you want to do. It doesn't say to keep you from doing the things that you were told you should do. No, it's your preferences are changing if the Spirit of God is inside of you. But if you're led by the Spirit... You're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and these things. Those are all unholy things, right? Don't do these things. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So a couple quick things. Do you see how this backs up what Peter is saying in his epistle about how you should live? Now, this is not Christianity. I just want you to know, this is not Christianity. Those things... Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Stop doing that because I said so. That's what some people think Christianity is. This is Christianity. Christ has purchased you with his own blood and now you belong to him. Holiness is the result of belonging to him. Now, real quick, do you know why most people do these things, sexual immorality? because they desire to belong. Drunkenness, it's about belonging. It's about looking for somewhere in life that I belong. My people, my, my, my belonging. Christ came to redeem you so that you might belong to him. It does involve our conduct. It does. Those who do these things won't inherit the kingdom. But those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Here's what that means. If you've come to faith in Jesus, you fight an old passion and desire with a greater passion and desire. The only way, the only way you'll ever overcome sin, a sinful desire, is having a greater desire for godliness. Not because you have to, but because it's actually what you want, having now belonged to Jesus. I, I talk about holiness. Um, I, I use this example. Me and my children, we love playing Connect Four. Any Connect Four fans here? My uh, youngest child is shockingly good at Connect Four, kind of in a scary way. Like at first I thought it was a coincidence and then all of a sudden she's setting up three, four moves to get me trapped where, you know, you drop one here, you're still stuck there. So we like Connect Four and uh, so I downloaded Connect Four on my phone to play. And I got the free version. You know how games on phones work, right? I got the free version, but after you play a game, what happens? Here come the ads. 
And they're all so good at hiding that little X. You know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, I've watched this ad 20 seconds beyond what I could have if I didn't see the X. And so, so what you can do is you can, you can upgrade, right? You can upgrade your free version to the pay version. And if you pay some money, then you don't have to have the ads and you can pay quicker. And here's what I think. I think some people think Christianity is, okay, kind of pray this prayer and agree to this and and, and Jesus will forgive my sins and go to heaven but holiness is the upgrade that's for people who just get a little more serious about it those are the people who are always going to go to church or they're going to teach Sunday school or they're going to be serious but I'm good with the free version listen friends there is no upgrade it's resurrection power from the get-go and if you don't have a hunger for holiness The explanation for that is there's no Holy Spirit in you who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. So praise God Almighty. It is, it is, praise God Almighty about the forgiveness of my sins. As far as east is from west, so far has he removed my transgressions from me. And it is about the coming. We're heading home. It's what we call the whole series. We are heading home, but right here, right now, he is cultivating me in me a longing for holiness because the one who called me is holy, and I want to be like him. Holiness is not an upgraded Christian life. It is the Christian life. Not because I have to, but because I want to. So again, answering this first question, what is holiness? Holiness means to be set apart. All of us are conforming to the hope that is at the center of our souls. If your hope for stability and security, like just really what your life's about is money, that's conforming you. That's how you spend your time. That's what you give your attention to. If, if your hope is in meeting the right person or hope is in uh, advancing in your career, that's, that's what you're conforming to. That's what he's saying. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But holiness now, as he has called you as holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. I am becoming more holy, more set apart. Set apart for what? Set apart for knowing God and making him known. When what I want to think about and what I want to do and the thoughts and actions of Christ are increasingly the same. So first of all, question, first question, what is holiness? It's not a boring life or a restricted life. It's, it's a life set apart to know and love and enjoy being, belonging to, to God. Second question. We got three. Here's the second one. How can I become holy? Now, I believe when you're born again, you, you begin to have a desire to live a holy life. Then what are some things that we can do to become more holy? Well, that's what this passage teaches us, verse 13. Therefore, here's one thing you can do. Prepare your minds for action and being sober-minded. I I did think about um, this, and I don't mean this in any manipulative way. When I I was thinking about this passage, a couple of weeks ago was the anniversary of 9-11. And one of the things that I watched was a program recounting the flight that crashed in Pennsylvania they said was uh, ultimately going to head to the Capitol building, I think is what the program said. But while those passengers were on that flight, one of them in particular was talking to his mom. And his mom began to relay what was really going on, what had happened at the World Trade Center. And, and the word that I would use is that's, 
sobering, isn't it? That's serious. And then what this small group of people decided to do is act on the basis of what they knew was going on. Now, if all the things that we're reading about are true, you've been born again to a living hope, and now you're to do good in the world. You're the salt, you're the light. Christ is not going to be long before you stand before him. That should have a sobering effect on how you view your life. You're not just existing, just counting down the days to retirement. No, wake up. The kingdom is at hand. There are only a few things you can say in your life you really belong to. Things or people that have such claims of love on your life that you cannot do without them. I'm asking you, is Christ one of them? If you're born again, Christ is the one. You belong to him, and so you're going to be holy in all that you do. Friends, rules never touch everything. They just don't. And if your understanding of faith in Christ is it's just a bunch of rules that you do or you don't do that never touch the heart, that's not, uh, that's a counterfeit gospel. You belong to him. So you begin to think carefully and soberly. Now this is important because I think we are living at a time when there is an all-out assault on your soul to cripple you from the ability to really think. I was reading a book this week that said, it's not that people don't know how to argue or think anymore, it's that we've lost the ability to think. We live in the age of the incredible shrinking attention span. I do make an appeal to parents, be very careful. Be very careful as your child's brain is developing how you're shepherding them. Because you put a screen in front of a child, it has powerful effects. So here's a test for you. Here's a test. This is a simple test. But you take your phone sometime this afternoon and set it in another room and then go sit in another room and see how long it takes you before you start to fill the pool, right? You don't have to check it as much as you think you do. And I've learned if somebody really needs to get in touch with you, they really can. We live in a time of constant partial attention. Our mind's kind of on things. Friends, multitasking in the mind is not a benefit to holiness. It's just not. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So don't you think if holy living is what, real holy living is what draws people to faith in Christ, it's what he says all through the letter. When they speak against you, they'll see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. If holy living requires sober thinking, what would you do if you wanted to prevent holy living? Wouldn't you take away people's ability to soberly think? And that is exactly what is happening today. Friends, there is something to be said for the fact that God has chosen to reveal himself in a book and not a TV show. Amen? So think carefully and soberly. Having minds prepared for action. So let's just also get this correction. It's not just sitting around thinking all the time. Just go live off by yourself in some distant place and I'm just going to think and I'm going to think. No, the thinking is unto action. So how can I be holy? We become holy by having minds prepared for action, by careful thinking, 
and by living with the end in, in sight. Isn't that what he says? Prepare your mind for action. Be sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So I encourage you that faith is not the opposite of thinking. Sometimes that's a criticism that all those Christians are not thinking people. When I talk and share the gospel with people, I hear that a lot. Um, but let's just be sober-minded and think with the end in mind. If, if there is no God, there is no Bible's just something somebody wrote sometime. And that really, ultimately, you're going to die and just cease to exist. And however many years in the future, the sun's just going to stop burning and everything's over. That'd lead you to be crazy, wouldn't it? And I find that it's not a people of faith who aren't carefully thinking out the implications of what they believe, but the people who reject the faith. Because, let's admit, if you're going to have a life of peace in unbelief, you have to stop thinking, not thinking about it more carefully. Christians can think and be filled with peace and hope at the same time. Now, I'm going to do a little practice here with you. Verse 14, as obedient children. What's the great commission? Since all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop talking for 30 seconds. And in that 30 seconds, what I want you to do, if you've got a little sheet of paper there, I want you to write down as many commands of Jesus that you can think of in 30 seconds. You ready? We're going to do it. Disciples obey what he commands and three, two, one, go. It's for you on the screen too. Bless you. All right, stop. Now, th this is not an exercise to see how many, how much Bible knowledge you have. Here's what I want to tell you. If you only got one, it's better to know the one and do it than know all of them and not, right? That's holiness. He's your king. It's your desire to do what he says. Not Again, not because you have to. Not because you have to love your enemies or give to the poor or seek first the kingdom of God. Are these rules that you have to keep or desires of your heart that you want to do? That's the difference between holiness and legalism. See, so the Pharisees were. They knew the rules and they really loved telling everybody else to obey them. Now, confession time. We don't keep the commands as we ought. We need grace. That's why we're thankful that as obedient children, it doesn't say as obedient employees or obedient workers, he's invited you into his family to belong to him. And then let's get our third question. Why would I ever want to be holy, right? Why would I want to be holy? 
Well, the love of God for me comes first. He loved us first. The love of God for me and now my growing love for Jesus changes my desires, preferences, and passions. I'll give an illustration. I've been practicing. I'm practicing. It's the illustration I use for any child that comes to me, somebody under the age of 10 who is interested in the things of faith or maybe God's doing a saving work in his or her life. So here's the illustration I always use is the Bible talks to us about being born again. So we can use an example about when a baby is born to teach us about what it means to be born again. So when a baby is born, baby has some needs, don't they? What's something a baby who's just been born needs? Number one, they need to eat, right? And the, and the uh, fun part about babies is they don't care what time it is. They're ready to eat. Three in the morning, let you know. A baby who's alive has an appetite. Second, a baby has to be able to breathe. That's why we teach carefully how, you, how to hold a baby. And, 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 a, and a baby who is alive is always breathing. And then a baby needs somebody to take care of them. Most helpless living thing on earth is a newborn baby. Can't do anything for themselves. And, and then a, a, a baby often, uh, this is what I'm not so good at, often a baby does need to be changed. Some mess is made. Some things can't keep living in. And those, all of those needs have spiritual implications. And then as a baby is alive, that baby grows, right? Sometimes it's amazing how quickly a child changes and, and grows. Now, if you're born again, you're born again with an appetite. Man will not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is what we'll have an appetite for. Now, oh, i got to read. How, how often do you eat? Do you, don't you eat just about every day? How often, to, how often should you be in the Word? Sometimes five times a day, right? You'll have an appetite for the things of God. Second, prayer is like breathing. Don't you breathe constantly? That's what the Bible says. Pray without ceasing. And then you need a family. That's what the church is. I mean, look around. That's who we are. Some more mature in their faith than others. But the, as I like to say, the older saints edify the younger and the younger saints energize the older. That's how a family works. And then there are some messes that need to be cleaned up. There's some stuff that you live in that you just can't keep living in anymore. It needs to be changed. It needs to be done away with. It's repenting over sin. Now, this baby doll doesn't actually need any of those things. Why not? It's not actually alive. And you can come back. We won't do this, but if I laid this baby doll on the front pew, you could come back in six months and there'd be no change. Why? It's made to look like a real baby, but it's not a real baby. And the warning for us is you, you can sort of look like you've been born again without having been born again. How do you know? Holiness. Holiness. If he called you, is this going to be distracting if I put the, I'll put the baby back? Holiness. To be set apart. You shall be holy for I am holy. 
Do you have an increasing appetite for his word? And, and then, as you mature, able to kind of feed yourself from the scripture. Your soul longs to pray to the Lord. Desire to be not just a part of the church, but a participating. Um, as you mature, you're helping others mature. And then, can you look at the course of your life? You're not sinless, I know that, but do you have a desire to overcome some things and have some change brought that cleans things up, so to speak? Holiness, to be set apart, means you are maturing and growing in all of these ways. So, let's have a conclusion this morning. Holiness and hopefulness, they go together. You are right now becoming more and more like whatever it is that you most hope in and most love. So holiness is not moral, boring, rule-keeping. It is having my life and my character shaped by God that, yes, does show up in my conduct, but in line with what the Holy Spirit is renewing my desires to The night before Jesus was betrayed, just read this to you, last thing. He's with the disciples. He's with Peter. Peter's in the room who wrote 1 Peter. And this is in part what he said. He's praying. It's part of John's gospel called the high priestly prayer. Just listen to what he says. They are not of, they, his followers, are not of the world. What does that mean? They're set apart. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify, same word, holy. Holify them. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself. Same word. That they may also be sanctified in truth. Now, let's put it all together. Always goes back to the cross, doesn't it? Always goes back to the cross. Jesus's holy life led him to the cross. Why? Because he just said, well, Father, your will be done. I got to keep these rules. No, it was his desire to sacrifice himself for the good of others. So a holy life. He said, sanctify them, consecrate. Just as I am consecrated, consecrate them. Meaning, meaning, unholiness is to live for yourself. What you want to do, when you want to do it. And friends, that is not a happy life. It's a miserable, claustrophobic way to live to always focus on my needs, my wants, my preferences, me, me, me. Jesus sacrifices himself for the good of others. And that is the best indicator of holiness in your life. For isn't it true that the Bible says the whole law can be summed up in one sentence? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the only way to really live is to live in the pursuit of holiness for the glory of God and the good of others. You will live set apart as an exile when you're born again to a living hope. So let's stand together and we'll pray together. And then 
have a time of invitation in response. As we pray together, just remind you three questions we sought to answer. First of all, what is holiness? Holiness is primarily not boring rule keeping, but holiness means to be set apart, to be called out for the use of God, for the love of God. You belong to him. Second, how can you become increasingly holy? By being sober-minded, by being obedient, by crucifying the old nature with its deceitful desires that you lived in when you lived a life of ignorance. Why would you ever want to be holy? Because Jesus is more precious to you than anything. That's why. So, Father, now we ask for help. I pray for those in the room that have absolutely no desire for holiness in their heart, in their soul. It's it's none. Would you cause them to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? Father, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, but we're just living in a season of life where we're really not sober-minded and really just giving ourselves back to passions of our former ignorance, would you graciously call us back to a life of holiness? And I pray increasingly for us, the answer to the question of why would you want to be holy would be because I belong to Jesus. Father, I really believe that you take the word of God to first help us to see our need of the Son of God. So may that be so, and also to make us more like him. May that be done in light of what we've studied in Jesus' name. Amen.